This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Shelley Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. How are y'all doing? Good. I'm so glad to be here. Pastor has allowed me to speak. That doesn't happen very often. Y'all know that. He doesn't know what to do with himself when he's not speaking, but he's going to survive. He gets to do offerings. Y'all just get ready. He'll still get to speak during then. Hey, uh, he's been doing this wilderness series. We've talked about that, um, the journey that God has taken um, each one of us on. I'm sure each of us, how many of y'all have felt like you've been in a wilderness and on a journey? But you know, God has a place that he's taking you. It's not for nothing. He has a, a process that we're going through. So let me pray before we start. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us today through your word, God. Encourage hearts, God. Bring hope to the hopeless, God. And I just pray um, that you would just lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit in everything that's done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been going through this wilderness season in our lives But God has a place. So let's turn to a very familiar passage in the Old Testament. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. Most of you have heard this. First part of this verse, it's very well quoted and it's a life verse for many of us. As well it should be. Jeremiah 29. We're going to read verses 11 through 14. God says... For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Aren't y'all glad about that? God has a future and a hope planned for us. Let's go on. He says, verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will, uh, excuse me. You will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your very own land. God says he's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us through our journey, through the wilderness. And he has a destination. He has a future and he has a hope for us. And he says he's going to be there. So many times we're asking God, where are you? He says, I'm here. He says, if you seek me, I will be found. If you pray, I'm listening. Isn't that good news? We serve a God who is listening to us. He doesn't leave us out there by ourselves. So the first thing we're going to talk about in moving on to this next season of our life, this next chapter, is number one, let the past teach you. Let the past teach you, not hold you back from the future God has planned. You know, for 11 years, I was a a middle school and high school history teacher. And my favorite part of history to teach was always right around World War II. And we did a whole unit on the Holocaust. 
And a lot of times the kids would be, you know, history, most of them are like, uh, why do we have to learn about the things that have already happened? Um, but there was a reason. The reason is so we can learn from them. And the Holocaust, it, it would, I would really dig in. And the kids, I would love to see the light bulb turn on with them when they would learn about how six million Jews were killed and the world just stood by and watched because of deception and lies that had been put out. And we would study that and we would learn. And I could tell they would be like, how did that happen? And we'd be like, don't ever let that happen again. Let's learn from the past. God wants to teach us from the past of what's happened. Many of us have made a lot of bad choices. We've gone on a lot of detours off the journey that he has for us. But he doesn't want us to get stuck back there. He wants us to say, okay, I learned from it. Let me learn from it and let me step out then into the future he has. Turn uh, to Isaiah, just a couple of books back to the left from Jeremiah. Isaiah chapter 46, and we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Let the past teach you, not hold you back from the future God has planned. Verse 9 says, remember the things I have done in the past. See, it's okay to remember. For I am alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 10, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. God knows. He knows our future. He knows it. it's already written in his book. He says, everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. The Passion Translation of that says, I decree that my purpose will stand and I will fulfill my every plan. So you think, oh, well, I've made this choice and I've messed up God's plan. You're not that big. You're not big enough to mess up God's plan for your life. We may take a detour, but guess what? There's always a path back. There's always a path back to the future and the hope and the plan that he has for us. May look a little bit different coming back on your journey, but that's okay. That's okay. We have to let go of the, our box and how we think our future should look and trust that God has that plan and he has that future for us. We should honor the past and learn from it, but not try to hang on to what was. What's coming is better than what's gone. And God has a new season for you. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. See, we're seeing the seasons change right now, aren't we? We had 95 degree days just not too long ago. And then we had our first freeze this week. And so God is changing the seasons. And sometimes I know when I get to the end of a summer, I don't know if it's because I used to be a teacher, but at the, sum, the end of the summer comes, I'm like, oh, I'm sad to see the summer end. I had so much more I wanted to do. But the summer's gone, and it's time for fall, and it's a new season beginning. We can't hang on to what was back here. I know as a parent, sometimes it's easy. We want to hang on to the seasons when our kids are, you know, in, when they're little. 
And then they grow up and, and, you know, we're like, oh, I wish they were this young again. I wish they were doing this again. We've got to let those seasons go. We remember them and honor them. But God has new things in store for us. Christine Kane said this. She said, there's a season for everything. Seasons change. Don't get stuck in a season you're no longer in. Don't try to prolong a season that's changed. Don't try to prolong a season that's ended. There's no grace for what's no longer there. See, there is grace for this season and for the future that God has planned for you going forward. So the second step of moving on to this next chapter of our lives is be a disciple. Be a disciple. A disciple is someone that is following something. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28 in the New Testament. Matthew 28, and let's look and see what Jesus said, because we need to be his disciples. There's some people that are really committed to their religions. I look sometimes at the, um, you know, different ones. A lot of the Jewish people are very committed to their religion. Um, we look at uh, a lot of people are committed to Muhammad, and they, they're a disciple of Muhammad. Or they're a disciple of uh, something else, Buddha or something else. We need to be disciples of Christ. And so how do we become a disciple of Christ? Let's look in the Word and see what Jesus had to say. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Jesus called us to make disciples and to be disciples. And he gave us some very specific things that we're to do. The first thing of being a disciple is salvation. And salvation is not just mental assent. It is not just saying, yeah, I believe in God. I go to church every few weeks, like the average American. I, you know, I, I know there's a God out there. No, we don't just like God. We have to love God with all of our hearts. And salvation is a point in time. You can trace it back to a point in time where you said, Jesus, come and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. See, if we're just like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. When did you become a Christian? You need to have that, that point in time where you know, I accepted Jesus as my Lord. Everything about being a disciple builds from that. So you must have your salvation secured. When I was between 12 and 13, uh, my parents took me to it. We were going, my whole uh, childhood, we went to a Methodist church in Clovis. And um, so when between the ages of 12 and 13, I was really young for my grade, at, you had to go to confirmation class. 
And so we went to confirmation class, and we learned a lot of things about the Scripture that I didn't know before. And I remember at the end, they had all of us little 12 and awkward little 12 and 13-year-olds come up to the front in the service, and there was like a, a kneeling bench along the front at the altar. And they had all of us kneel down, and I remember the pastor came along, and the culmination of this was they sprinkled us. And I'm going to talk about baptism in just a second. But when I went up there, I had learned all this knowledge. And when I went up there and that pastor prayed, I really made a decision for Christ. Something shifted in my heart. And I really believe that Jesus came to live in my heart. The sad part of this is I got up from there and I didn't have really anything I, uh, the church at that point, there wasn't really anything else to pour into me. So I moved from that into totally walking away from the Lord and living my teenage years until I was almost a senior living for myself. Made a lot of bad decisions. Did a lot of things I'm not real proud of. But I really had that point. So then before my senior year, Stormy's brother had actually started the church in Clovis, and I started going, and I started hearing, and my heart was being drawn back to the Lord. And there came a time of rededication in my life, and I asked Jesus to come back into my heart and to wash me of all that. I had a very specific time that I became a disciple of Christ. I can look to those two moments in my life. So I have a question for you. When was that salvation experience for you? If you haven't had that yet, guess what? Today's the day. We're going to pray with people at the end, and we want you to have that moment that you can, you know, I can draw that back and say, Jesus became my Lord that day. The second part of being a disciple, Jesus talked about there. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the second part of being a disciple is water baptism. Baptism is the first step of obedience for a believer. So I give my heart to Jesus. Then the next thing I need to do is I need to get water baptized. So I have a question. Have you been obedient? Have you taken that step? Let me go back to my story. 1213, I have that shift in my heart. The pastor sprinkled us because in the Methodist church, they don't believe in immersion. These are religious terms. When you go under the water, that's called immersion. They believe in sprinkling. So I got sprinkled, and that was my baptism. So fast forward, I rededicate my life uh, right before my senior year. I'm living for God. Stormy and I got married young, and we have kids. And when I got into my 20s, I remember thinking, I want to be water baptized. I want to go fully under the water. I wanted that experience because my heart had had such a change. And, you know, baptism is an outward showing of what's gone on on the inside. And at various points in our life, if when we rededicate our life, some of you have, have, like I said, gone off the path, and then you're coming back, there needs to be something that shows for that. Some of you may need to get baptized again to make a showing, an outward showing of what God has done on the inside. Pastor referred to it last week, Pastor Evan, um, he got baptized when he was four and he's walked with the Lord. But he 
When we were at a pastor's conference a couple of weeks ago, he, they talked about water baptism and the significance of this outward showing and, and how it, it just does something in you. And he, he just, he's sitting in a class and he said the Lord spoke to him, get baptized again. So we got to go outside right there in the middle of the conference. They had a baptism tank there in the parking lot and we all got to celebrate him getting baptized again. See, water baptism does something. It's at a next step of obedience. If we think, well, I'll just ask Jesus to be my Lord and then I'm not going to ever do anything else, you're not a true disciple. A true disciple, Jesus said, follows the commands. And baptism, water baptism is one of the commands. Okay, that's number two. Let's look at what else. Turn in your Bible to Acts, the book of Acts. A couple of books to the right. Where we were in Matthew, go to the book of Acts chapter 19. If you ever want to know about how to be a disciple, the book of Acts is a great place to start because it's all about the church. And when the disciples went and when Jesus left, they were making disciples and they were going all around the regions of that time. And so that would be a great place to start. So Acts chapter 19, let's read verses 1 through 6. This is about Paul's third missionary journey. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And so he knows they're born again. He knows these are disciples. So he asks them, verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were 12 in all. So again, we see here's some steps for us to be a disciple, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is our next step. We get water baptized, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're like me, I could say that exact thing there from my childhood growing up in the church. I never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. There was no mention of the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe I just didn't hear it because I was sitting on the back row playing around with my friends, but I never even heard there was a Holy Spirit until that point in my high school years where God, uh, my eyes began to be opened and I heard the word preached really for the first time and saw the move of the Holy Spirit and my heart was drawn to that. And I wanted that deeper walk with the Lord. I didn't want to live in that, those bad ways that I had living to my flesh. See, so many of us, we wonder, why can't I overcome this? Why do I keep sinning in my life, having sexual sin or pornography or I lie or I cuss or I cheat? All these things that we do, addictions, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. When He comes on us, it brings change in our lives. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1 and let's see exactly why we need the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1. 
Now this was, Jesus had, a, Jesus had come back to life. He had been resurrected. And he went to visit the disciples, remember, and he told him, stay in the upper room. Stay there until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Stay there and wait till you receive this. And verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Two things happen when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You receive power. How many of y'all need a little more power in your life to live for God? I know I do. I, I have things I want to overcome, and I know I can't do it in my flesh. But the Holy Spirit rises up in us, and He gives us power to change and the second part, to be his witness. You are God's witnesses on the earth. You may say, oh, I don't really like to talk to people. I, you know, I don't like them to know I'm a Christian. You know what? You don't have to go and preach a sermon to them. Your life is your sermon. You work with people that probably see you at your best. And they may see you at your worst. And that's okay because all of us have good days and bad days. But what they do need to see is that you're consistently loving Jesus. Not perfect because, again, they're, if they're waiting for a perfect Christian, they're going to be waiting a long time. No perfect churches, no perfect Christians. But we do need to be people that our light can shine out on our coworkers, on our kids uh, when we're at their soccer practice and we see someone that's breaking down in tears because their husband is talking about leaving them or something else. You know what? We can be hope and we can be encouragement and we can pray for people. And it doesn't have to be in a church setting. Praise God, we're all in here. But you know what? We're getting filled. You're getting fed right now. Now you, you know what you need to do? Go out. Go out to our big world and shine your light. Let other people see the love of God in you and be his disciple. My daughter is a general manager of a restaurant here in town, and it's loud. And um, we were sitting there. We went to eat the other night there, and... Uh, we're just sitting there, and our daughter had introduced us to a couple of people that works, work for her, and this one young girl came back by our table. I mean, it was like we couldn't eat because they all just kept coming by and talking, and she came back to our table, and she, she put her arms on her table like this, and she's like, oh, I have such a bad headache, and she began to tell us. We didn't ask her. <laughs> we were trying to eat our dinner, and, um, but she's like, I, I've had, and I said, are you okay? And she said, I've had a migraine. She's like, I have scoliosis. And she was telling us how she's getting ready to have this medical procedure. And I said, I said, oh, I'm sorry. And she, I said, you know, or, do you have, and she said, yeah, I'm not going to be able to drive home. They're going to do this certain surgical thing. And I said, well, you, you have your family? And she said, well, she said, no. She said, I texted my mom and my dad and my brother. And she said, only my mom responded, but she can't come. So I just reached out and touched her arm. And I said, Brittany, we're going to pray for you. And she was like, really? And I said, yes. I said, we're going to pray for you. And she was like, wow, that really means a lot. Right there in the middle of the restaurant. Okay. There are drinks being served. I'm telling you, feet from us. And yet God can still move. God can move wherever we're at. You need to be a disciple. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he gives you power to live the life. And he gives you 
power to be a witness. You need to witness. Those people you work with, your family members, see, they know your past, don't they? They know all your secrets, how you were growing up. And sometimes they want to hold you to that, but they cannot argue with the changed life. They cannot argue with it. See, when I got saved, when I gave my heart to Jesus as a teenager, I had been bad. I'd been disrespectful to my parents. But they began to see a change. And the rest of my family, I'll tell you, they made fun of me. They made fun of me. They made fun of this new walk. Made fun of me being filled with the Holy Spirit. They just made fun of all of it. But they could not argue with my changed life. As I began to walk this out, not perfectly, but consistently, and Stormy and I walked this out before them. And I'll tell you, we're the first people they call now when they have an issue. And that'll be the same for you when you shine your light for others. So to be a disciple, we need to be, um, have salvation. We need to be water baptized. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when people in, in the church have those things, we are equipped to go out and do practical works for the kingdom. What are practical works? You know what? Praying for people. Um, loving on people. That can be holding a little baby in here in the nursery so their mama who hasn't got sleep in four nights can sit in a service. There are some practical works that God wants us to do for the kingdom. And when we're filled with the Spirit, it gives us that power to do that. And the last thing of being a disciple is serving. Just what I was saying, serving the kingdom. We give, we pray, we serve. A few years ago, y'all remember we had the things up here till this week when I was going to refer to them. We had the give, pray, serve, little things up here. You know why we did those? Because years ago, um, when Matt Bullen was still on our staff, he said, Pastor, what caused you to change? But, now, I'm just going to give y'all a little secret. Y'all know he hasn't always been this way, Right? Wives, that you compare your husbands, which you should not do that. He hasn't always been this way. Now, praise God for where he is now. We both have a, come a long way. But there, were, there was a shift that began to happen. And Matt said, what was that in your life that caused you? You've heard his testimony of, of alcoholism. And the first five years of our marriage, he was an alcoholic. And it was a hard road. And... Um, God was faithful. But what began to change, and, and he said three things. We began to give. And you may say, what does giving and tithing have to do with, you know, being a disciple? I'll tell you what it does. It makes God Lord of your money instead of you Lord of your money. And God can do a lot more with my money than I could in my brain ever figure out. And it's a surrender. When we would, you know, because back then they, we didn't have digital giving like now. I can text my tithe. I can set it up and it just automatically comes out of my bank. But back then we had to write a physical check or we had to get that cash and take it to the church. And it would be, I mean, we would look at that and think, wow, we could, you know, have another car payment with that. And he drove a crappy car for a long time. But we just kept honoring God. And that was a sign of surrender We get to give. Uh, we began to pray. And I will tell you, I don't know any better prayer than this man right here. He prays for you. He prays for this church. He prays for people by name. He covers you. When it'd be easy to go out every day for lunch and go do things, you know where he is? In this auditorium. 
12 to 1, every day, praying for you. He prays on Tuesday nights. If you have a heart to learn to pray, come on Tuesday nights. But we began to give, pray, and the third part, we began to serve. We began to serve the kingdom in whatever capacity there was. And this is going to lead me into my next point to walk into the new chapter in your life. Number three, walk in your calling. Walk in your calling. God has placed a calling on each of our lives. I want all the the teenagers to look at me. You are not too young. You have a calling. Every single one of you, young adults, you have a calling. And let me talk to our older generation. Sometimes, you know, gray hair starts coming and we're like, okay, I already served in the nursery. I'm not doing that again. I just, you know, I've done my time. I just want to come and sit. No, you have a calling. God wants to use what you've been through. You may think, my life's too broken. Man, I made so many mistakes. God wants to use you and you have a calling. I don't care how old, young, broken, shy, God has a calling. And let let me just put you at ease. He's not going to ask you to come up here and speak when you're shy. I mean, unless he puts that on your heart. There's all kinds of callings, and they're not all up here on the platform. In fact, very few are up here. God has called us to do all kinds of things in our world. He needs each one of us. See, if you have a pulse, God has a purpose for your life. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, this was the story of when God was calling Moses. And if y'all remember Moses, um, he'd made some bad choices. He killed someone. Okay, he had a pretty bad record in his past. He was a murderer. And he stuttered, and he was like, God, I I can't talk good. A lot of us have said that. Like, I I don't know what to say, God. And he he kept giving all these excuses to God. Have y'all ever given God an excuse of why you can't do what he's called you to do, what he's pulling on your heart to do? And so God looked at Moses, and he said, Moses, Nexus 4-2, he said, What's in your hand? What is in your hand? And Moses had a staff. And God used that. And he's asking each one of us, what's in your hand? See, what's in your hand, your calling can be either what you're good at or what is needed. Sometimes what is needed is what you need to be doing right now. Many of us, the Lord, if he's, I mean, he may have shown you some vision of what you're called to do. Yeah, that's great. That's like the end result. But what are you going to do? It's like that's at the end of this, this aisle. But I'm right here. What do I do until I get there? You do whatever's in your hand. What has God put in your path right now to do? Some of you have skills and talents and things you can use for the Lord. I told this story at Awaken that um, when I was, uh, we got married young, and I didn't get to go to college then. And so I, in the middle of being married and having two kids, I started my college career. It was difficult. I did it in six years. I worked, had two babies in between there, and I got to my senior year of college. I, was, I needed a job because we weren't making very much money, and so I needed to contribute. And so the only job that would fit, because I was taking 21 hours of college, so y'all don't give me your excuses, college and high school kids, about how hard it is. 
21 hours, I needed a job that could go around my college schedule, so guess what I did? I drove a school bus. And I would go in the mornings, get there early morning, drive that route. I would leave and drive 20 miles to the college I was attending, go to classes all day, then come back, drive my afternoon route, and then start over again with my family and all that. So I had my CDL license. I did that for a year, got my college degree, and thought, whew, I'm done. Didn't love that job, but it, I did it during the time that it was needed. I'm teaching, I'm a teacher, have my college degree in the church we were going to in Clovis, Stormy's Brothers Church. At that point, they had saved money for a building, and they took that money, and the Lord told, told uh, Pastor David, build a building for the youth, which we did. So we took all that money, we built a building for the youth. Meanwhile, there's too many adults. We outgrew the building, the old building where we were. So they came up with this master plan. We have teenagers meeting at the new building. We have adults. They had to move to this old Christian school building, and they were having adult service there. And then the elementary kids needed to be bused back to the old church building and have children's church. There was an old blue bus that would drive, and they said, we need people with CDL license. And I'm sitting there like, not me. That season's over. I'm not a school bus driver anymore. Wasn't my favorite time of life then, and I sure don't want to do it now. And the Lord began to work in my heart. This was in my hand. I had what was needed at the time. So even though I love children, y'all know, I stand at that door and I hug your kids and I love them all, I really didn't feel a calling to elementary kids. I served with the youth, served for 17 years every Wednesday night, served on the worship team every Sunday morning. But elementary kids, I really didn't feel a calling, but that's what was needed then. So I said, I got one. So I'd load up those little kids in that big blue bus and we drive the mile down to the old church building and it was you know it wasn't enough time for me to drive back and so I would stay there with them and I remember that the children's pastor at the time you know I'm just sitting in the back I'm not really you know I'm there and I'm a leader but not really and he said um children if you need prayer go to one of the leaders and I remember those kids coming back those little ones and this one said, would you pray for my mommy and daddy? They've been fighting. And God used that time. God used that season. He used what was in my hand. Was it my ultimate calling? No. If you've been through a partnership class, you will have heard. Stormy and I served volunteer, no pay, for 20 years in his brother's church. We knew we were called to pastor. We knew we were called to full-time ministry. But it wasn't the timing yet. And we served. And I'll tell you, we did pretty much everything there was to do. Every ministry, every job there was to do. And we were consistent. And we, be, we sowed into that because we knew our time was coming. And when you sow into someone else's dream, guess what? God will bring people to help your dream come to pass. So we all have a calling on our life. We have a calling to serve the body of Christ. See, you're not serving man, you're serving God. And we've got to keep our eyes on him. We have people all over this building today. You all know we have people up there in the balcony, you never see them. 
It's closed. You know what they're doing? They're directing up there our live stream so that people that are at home today, people maybe with a sick baby can still hear the Word of God. They can still participate in worship. And you know what? They're not up here on the platform. We have people serving in four- and five-year-old class so those kids can be ministered to and know about the love of Jesus. All during the week, there are people. And you may say, ah, oh, I don't like to talk to people. I really don't like that. You know, there's a group of people that come in. And look at the seat back in front of you. See all those? We have our connection card and our visitor card. And we have um, envelopes for giving and a pin. They don't just magically appear in there. Someone comes along on each chair. It, I don't like to do it because I'm tall. And you have to lean over and they put those in. Thursdays, they come in here and they pray over those chairs. They make sure Kleenex boxes are there for you. They prepare a place for God to work. And God can use us. He wants to use us in whatever capacity that we're at. And you know what? Some of you, you're like, well, remember the whole age thing? I'll tell you, my two little grandkids love to serve. 12 and 14, and they can't wait for the Sundays that they are scheduled to serve in our little kids' classes. In fact, they'll go up to Miss Dora and say, do you need someone today? And most of the time she does because some adult doesn't show up. And so we need you. We need to all be serving and be God's disciple and serve the kingdom and walk in our calling. And see, if you're walking truly in a calling and you're called, let's say, to youth, you're called to teenagers, it doesn't matter who that youth pastor is. Are you serving the youth pastor or are you serving the teenagers? See, because I will tell you in 38 years that we've been serving, I've seen more youth pastors, more children's pastors, more worship leaders come and go, but I know my calling. I'm not serving man. I'm doing what I'm called to do, and so I keep my eyes on God. And it doesn't matter who comes, who goes, I know I'm going to walk in my calling, and I'm going to do what he has called me to do. And please don't think that God is schizophrenic, telling you one day, do this, and then the next day, no, I want you to do this. That's not the God we serve. There are changes and seasons in life. And you'll know when you're following the Spirit, you wait on Him and you serve. Do not leave your assignment. Do not leave your assignment just because you're tired, just because you um, are, don't feel good, and you're like, eh, I just don't feel like serving those three-year-olds. They kind of give me a headache. They make me tired. Are you giving your emotions a vote on your calling? Don't let it. Don't give your emotions a vote on serving God. Know what your calling is and walk in it in the season that you're in. Amen? Y'all are quiet. Awesome. All right. Number four. This is the last point to move into this next chapter, a new season of your life, is trust God's heart for you. Trust God's heart for you. You know, when Adam and Eve, we can trace this mistrust of the heart of God all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. The enemy came and lied to them just like he lies to us. And he told them, God is withholding. God doesn't want you to have that. And he began this mistrust in humans' hearts 
of the, the heart of God towards us, that God wants the best for us, that He's not withholding from us what is good for us. And we've got to get past this mistrust of the heart of God. See, we may not know what the next chapter holds, but God does. And we need to trust Him, trust that He knows what's going on. You may say, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what the future holds. Well, I know a good place to start looking, and that's right here. In the Word of God, it contains everything that we need, everything that we need. He has already written our days, and He knows exactly the direction we're supposed to take. When you find yourself discouraged, when you find hope being far from you, get in the Word of God. Find a plan that you can read consistently your Bible, and it will speak to you about the future that God has for you. I want to tell you a few things about God's truth. See, we think, well, God, do you really care for me? I want to tell you how deep He cares for us and how we can trust Him. I want to leave you with these three scriptures today. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I love that. It's like the song we today we sang today. God doesn't give his heart in pieces. He's not man that was like, okay, well, if you're good, I'll, I'll give my love to you. No. He says, I have an everlasting love for you. It never ends. His faithfulness never ends. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 25 says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. If you are losing hope, go to this scripture. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Isn't that good? Every day there's fresh grace and fresh mercy. Verse 24, I say to myself, did you know you got to talk to yourself sometimes. When the enemy and lies are coming, you have to out loud say no and say things like this, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. Say things out loud. And then the last scripture I want to leave you with is Psalm 16, verses 5 and 6. It says, Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. That's a good one. When we're questioning God, where are you taking me on this journey? I'm going to leave it in God's hands, and I'm going to leave the timing of it in God's hands as well. Verse 6, your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you, for you have given me the best. God is not withholding. He wants to give us the best. And I'll tell you, I trust the next chapter because I know the author. And he's already written every plan that I need for my life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want you to uh, go ahead and stand right now.
And let's just take a minute to examine where our heart is at in this journey that we're on and moving into the next chapter. Where are you at in your walk with God? Where are you at in serving Him and being His disciple? Are you letting the past hold you back? Are you trusting His heart for you? Are you serving the kingdom? God is good and He wants to draw each one of us to the perfect place that He has. He wants to draw us. Draw us, Lord God. Draw us, Lord God. Draw us closer to you, Lord Jesus. We just wait upon you, God. We wait on you, God. The Lord had given me some very specific things to pray for. I want to pray for people with unborn dreams. I want to pray for people with callings that need to be released hopes that you can't even touch yet some of you have been shouting I've survived that you made it through but he did not sustain you through the past difficulties to keep you where you are but to take you to your best days ahead he sustained you to take you to another dimension he sustained you because he has a purpose and he has a plan and a reason for your life. Your life has reason. Your life has purpose. And I'll tell you, the devil wouldn't be trying to kill you if he didn't know you were going somewhere. If he didn't know God had something big, he wouldn't be trying to snuff your life out. God has a plan for you. And don't you stop, church. Don't stop until God has turned that mess of your life into your message. Do not stop until he's turned that test you're going through into your testimony. And the seeds that you've planted in prayer and in believing God, that destiny that you've placed in God's hand, you don't stop until it's turned into a harvest. You may not see it today, but it's coming. That next chapter is coming. That new season is coming. So if you are find yourself in a place that you need to become a disciple, you need that deeper walk with God, you need direction for your life. I know there are times when we're like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know the direction that you have. And if you need need a calling released into you, I'm going to ask you to respond and come to the front so that you can respond to the Lord. As we sing this song about trusting God and stepping out into the unknown places, that's what he's calling us to. Because you're never going to be able to figure it all out with your mind. But it takes a trust in your heart. So I'm going to ask you to respond. Respond to the Lord's voice today. Respond to him and the call he has for your life. In Jesus' name, go ahead and come. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.